So verse number 10, Ezra chapter 7. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now we look over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. Probably a more familiar text. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, again, I've mentioned that this is this series, How to Study the Bible. Last week we gave you a, uh, uh, an outline, I guess, if you will, um, of different books that we had that we used to study. Not going to do that every week. If there happens to be one or two that that uh, may be pertinent to the lesson, we'll bring that in. But tonight, I don't believe so. Most of us were here, and if you weren't here, I, I hate that you missed it. But uh, still, I'm glad that you're here tonight. If you have any questions about what books may be used to uh, to study then by all means you ask, I'll be happy to let you know what I used. And I gave you the, the, the last book that we talked about was the notebook, okay? Any notebook. It can be a, a steno pad. It, it doesn't matter what it is. But I highly encourage you, if you're going to study the Word of God, have a pen and a piece of paper nearby. When you do that, uh, you you will be able to write down thoughts that you have, You'll be able to write down insights of the Scripture. You'll be able to write down questions that you have. We live in a, in a technological world, and we can use the technologies. But for me, I can't hardly take notes on one of my devices. It's, it's difficult. I've got a pen on my iPad. I can write handwriting on this thing, but I cannot hardly do it. There's something about that. I don't know if I'm using this word correctly, but there's something tactile about pen and paper that just seems to connect more to the soul. So I highly encourage you, above all the other books, to write down your own thoughts. Last week, we dealt with point number one. Just quickly, and I'll get into point number two. We need to prepare our hearts honestly. We need to prepare our hearts honestly. And in that, we need to realize that the, that Bible study is for the in, inner man, not the intellectual man. There are some that would have you, and, and if you go to college, if you go to higher education, that is for the intellect, that is for the mind. But when you are studying, yes, it will influence your mind. It will strengthen your mind. But when you are studying God's Word, it is for that inner man. Then next we noticed it, uh, we need to prepare our hearts honestly. Subpoint B is we need to recognize that our hearts are wicked. Jeremiah wrote this and he said that our hearts are desperately wicked. And then last, last week we said that we need to be ready for discomfort. Uh, no matter what it is, if you begin to dig into it, whether it's scripture or whether it's something else, you'll find that most things have some difficulty. If I were to, to try to go to, um, I don't know, maybe I want to do brain surgery on Benny. Well, I've got to dig down and figure out what I need to do. You paying attention, Benny, because this is going to happen one day. 
I got to dig in. I've got to study, but I've got to get past the uncomfortable part that I got to cut your scalp and your skull to do brain surgery. How do you think about that? That's something I'm not prepared to do. I don't mind blood. I don't mind those things. But when it comes to human life, I just assume that, that's, that's uncomfortable for me. Now, that's kind of a silly illustration. But when you begin to dig into God's Word, you're going to find some things that are uncomfortable to learn and even more uncomfortable to apply in your life. And so, point number one, we need to prepare our hearts Honestly, number two, and this is where we'll pick up tonight, we need to prepare our hearts dependently, dependently. What I mean by that is we need help. You can read your Bible. Matter of fact, we have an example of someone in the Word of God, that Ethiopian in Acts chapter number 9, he was reading the Word of God, but it took someone, namely Philip, to come by and say, do you understand what you're reading? And so Philip then began to explain the Scripture, and the Ethiopian believed and trusted in Christ. And so we need help in our study of the Bible. You can, you can be absolutely alone and you can get in the Word of God and you can study. Again, a Bible um, illustration is the Apostle John. He was on Patmos and there he received the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he was all alone. He was exiled. There was no one else there. And so, yes, God can help you. Uh, understand the Scripture if you just depend on your own knowledge and in your own prayer life. But thanks be to God, there's more to it than that. Um, we need to prepare our hearts dependently. I believe we can say this. Maybe I, I don't have it pinned down exactly right, but sub-point A, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit. But in this, you'll find that the whole Godhead is at work when we study the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It thrilled my heart this morning as people were testifying, but something stuck out when Brother Lee was testifying. He said, now I have the Holy Spirit so I can understand the Scriptures. Did y'all catch that? Because you can you can study the Scripture without the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You'll know what it says, but you may not know what it means. And so if we are going to study the Word of God and prepare our hearts dependently, we need the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, verse 45, you remember those men on the way to Emmaus, they met up with Jesus, and in that, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? But reckon why? It says, because in verse 45, He, Jesus, opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. So 
know, we find there in 1 Corinthians that they these things are spiritually discerned. That's the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, there's the Son of God. But then in Psalm 19, verse number 18, the psalmist cries out, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost all working in tandem when we begin to prepare our hearts for Bible study. Then, sub point B, we see we ought to depend on helpful saints. Aren't you glad that God gave us teachers? I hope, I hope uh, for your sake that you have someone in your life that you can call and you can talk about Bible things. If not, I want you to know I'll be happy to talk to you, but I'm sure there's other people here, maybe some other men or ladies that you know that can help you. But we do need one another, and we can depend on helpful saints. In the book of Romans, chapter number 12, verse number 5, down through verse number 7, it says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. And so here, he's, these, these teachers, these ministers, these uh, prophets, they are to wait for just the right time. They are to wait when their knowledge is fulfilled. Verse number 7, he says, uh, if you are a teacher, then wait on a time to teach. I believe in First or Second Timothy, he says that, that deacons and pastors, bishops ought to be uh, apt to teach. They ought to be ready to teach at a moment's notice. There ought to be something within them that they can speak on. And here, I believe that in Romans, he says that we all have teachers and we can go to them when we have a lack of understanding. Now, there's a, there's an issue of pride in a lot of folks. You've been saved for 20 years and you come across a scripture and you don't quite understand it. So you begin to struggle with it in yourselves because pride says, I've been married for, or I've been uh, um, saved for 20 years. And so I should already know this. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. If you don't know it, ask someone. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Ghost. But get you some helpful saints that can take you a little bit further. Matthew chapter number 28. This tells us that we are not alone in this. Verse number 19 and 20. Jesus says to the disciples, Go ye therefore. That word ye is y'all. Go y'all therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so collectively, we need to be going together. Collectively, we need to be there to explain things to one another. There was something said at, uh, uh, Brother Langston said it just a couple weeks ago, and um, he said it to me privately about a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago, and uh, I didn't disagree with him. I didn't fully agree with him, but I, I, I just kind of I've been chewing on it, brother Jim, for about a year. Didn't talk to anybody about it. 
Well, then behind the pulpit, he mentioned it. And I'm not going to tell you what it was because I'm not sure how I feel about it. But he mentioned it behind the pulpit. I believe he's got Bible for it. I believe that he may be right. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to accept it yet. That's one of those painful things that we have to understand. But uh, since he said that, I've talked to several men about it because they are helpful saints and I realized that I wasn't the only one that had struggled with the idea that Brother Langston presented. Now, there's nothing doctrinally wrong with anything Brother Langston said. I don't want you to think that. It's just it's kind of one of those side studies that if it, you can get sidetracked in sometimes. And Brother Langston said something about that, and it has made me think. And so if I'm going to study it, Brother Kurt, I'm going to have to have some folks that are helpful to me and go along with them as we try to mine these things out of the Scriptures. Y'all still with me? All right. Ephesians chapter number 4. I don't think I'm going to hurt anybody's feelings when I say this passage and when I comment on it very quickly. But it's something that I feel very strongly about. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 11. I want you to listen. I want you to take count what it says. And he, God, gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what does he say? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So there are five things, five, if I could say it like this without it being taken out of context, there's five positions that God, five ministries that God gives the church. Now, we know that the apostles, there are no living apostles now. An apostle is someone that witnessed Jesus Christ in his resurrected body. They gone. Okay? A prophet. The Bible teaches that, that some of these things will fail. They will, they will pass away. I believe prophets and prophecies are passed away. We have all the prophecy that we need. We don't need a new revelation. We have one right here. Somebody help me and say amen. But there's something that's missing here that our modern church has uh, accepted and adopted as the norm, and that's folks being called into the ministry of music or the ministry of singing. My issue with that is myriad. But one thing is, let's, let's just take our singers, for instance. If, if Lori and I and my family, or if Rachel and Kaylee and Nathan, or if the Dent family or the Cover family... If they were gone from this church all of the time to go somewhere else because they've been called into the music ministry, then this body of believers suffers. Y'all with me this morning? I'm still in the Bible. This body of believers suffers. Now, yes, on occasion someone may go and they may be invited to a special meeting or, or a special Sunday or whatever. I have no problem in the world with that. But, I have an issue with folks saying they've been called, and I hear it all of the time. All of the time, folks that, if I could say it like this, folks that can't really sing. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I can name names. Some folks that can't really sing, they're out there, they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're going all over the country. They're, they're spending all of this money. Because they say they've been called into this. And then you find them five, ten years down the road. They've wasted all of their savings. They've wasted all of this time. And they realize they should have been in their local church to begin with. 
So, if God has given you a talent to sing, sing. If God gives you an opportunity every once in a while to go out and, and sing somewhere, that's fine. Just make sure I know where you are. And make sure you know where you need to be. Okay? Go sing your song and come on back. But God doesn't call singers. I believe singers can minister. I believe that's what, my daddy said it like this a long time ago, and he, I don't know if it was original or not, but he told me, he was a mechanic, and he said, to me, singing is like an ether. It's like ether, starting fluid. He said, if something's not, not quite ready to start and start, as Kurt would say, get crunk up, then you spray a little bit of starting fluid, a little bit of ether in there, and man, things start moving, and then all of a sudden folks kind of loosen up and, and everything's going on. He said, but you can use too much starting fluid. He said, when you use too much, it dries those cylinder walls out, and it won't start for nothing. And I think in our modern churches, there's so many people that are putting the emphasis on singing than on the Word of God. And that's why we have so many different avenues of church, if you will. And we're talking about Bible study, and so we ain't exactly talking about Bible study right now, but we're hitting the little rabbit popped up right in the middle of the service. If we're going to have church, we need to have church the way God intended church. You can go all the way back to your Old Testament and you can find, yes, there was singing. Thank God for singing. Thank God for good singing. But the Word of God was always, always the prominent piece. The Word of God. After COVID, you, you remember, man, we were, we were in, we were out. We canceled church. We were in the parking lot. We were online church. We were, I mean, I was so sick and tired of it. And I, I mean, I just, I hated every minute of it. Every single minute of it. And during that time, there was a lot of singers that had to cancel their dates because they couldn't go into a church. And I'm telling you between, I'm going to get in trouble, between missionaries and singers, my phone was ringing off the hook. Hey, we want to come, we want to present our ministry. God's called us into this and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, listen, I said, we've been out of church for so long. We are going to, we're going to focus on God's word for a while. I talked to a singer just about two weeks ago. He called while I was here doing something, and I thought it was something important. And he said, hey, this is Brother So-and-so. I need you to call me back. So I called him back, and he said, oh, yeah, I got your phone number from Google, and I just wanted to present my ministry. My wife and I sing. I'm like, well, good for you. Go find you a honky-tonk. We're going to have church. I know that's harsh. I really didn't say that. That was one of those preacher lies, but it was up here. I wanted to say it in a minute. But if we're going to study the Word of God, we need some helpful saints. We do need singers, but we need them to be in the place where they're supposed to be. We need to be in their place. We do need preachers and teachers and pastors. and We need those things. We must have those things. We need helpful saints. Number number three in the entirety of this. And uh, Brother David, the reason I did not give you any slack or any, any uh, I didn't give you a hard time this morning for your sub point L is because um, 
I have subpoint I. So uh, quickly, we're going to give you these things, and I'm going to the house. There is a method to the madness. We are going to rapid fire. We're going to go through these. I'm not going to spend any time on them. We're going to be out of here at least by seven, if not a little bit before. Somebody believes that, say whoopee. We, number, number three tonight, we need to prepare our hearts purposefully. Number one, it is honestly. Number two, dependently. But now number three, we need to prepare our hearts purposefully. Why are we studying? Why are we studying? Well, number one, sub-point A, if you will, to have assurance of salvation. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul, speaking to Timothy, and Timothy, having a goodly and godly heritage with his mother and his grandmother, we know that he knew the Scriptures. And Paul says, I need you to remember those things that you've been assured of. He said, know that you've learned them, and from a child you knew those holy Scriptures that can make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. John chapter number 20, verse 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Listen to this. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that ye, might, that ye believing ye might have life through his name. The reason that we study these words of these these scriptures is so that we can have assurance of salvation. I talked to a young lady the other night and worried to death that she she was not saved and she had made multiple multiple professions. My my first question once I got to the bottom of it was, when's the last time you read the word of God? And she could not answer. Well, Jody, the reason that we have the Word of God, the reason that we read it, is for assurance of salvation. There are days, we've said it and we laugh about it, but there are days, Kaylee, that I do not feel saved. There are days that I get, just, I'm not being over, uh, there are days that I get dirtied out in the world, I'm with people. I hear the way people talk. I hear the music bebopping down the road. I smell their marijuana in town. I see the way they're dressed. And, and man, I just get aggravated about it all. And there's days that I just don't feel saved. You go out in the heat. You, some of you work out in the heat. Man, if there's anything that can make you irritable, it's the heat. You get out there and you work in that, and there's days that you don't feel saved. Somebody says something and hacks you off. You don't feel sad. Brother, Brother Jim and I were picking at one another the other day and, and he said, uh, I can't remember exactly how it all went, but, but he, anyway, he threatened to kill me. Um, he actually just threatened to punch me, but I've seen his fist. He would have killed me. 
And he mentioned, you know, what? Now I want the I want the the left cheek first because uh, you, you ought to turn the other cheek. And and I don't I don't know what kind of Bible he's reading. Maybe it says left cheek first. I don't know. But in that, you know, there's there's some camaraderie there. But man, there's days when people do something to hurt you. And you didn't hurt me, brother Jim. I was, but there's days when people hurt you. You don't feel safe. You don't feel like turning the other cheek. You feel like dropping your Bible and say, okay, Jack, come on. How big a boy are you? That's what you feel like doing sometimes. I don't try to repeat him often, but I heard a preacher years ago. I do say this fairly often, but <laughs> heard a preacher years ago talking about somebody and said, I'm going to whoop them in Jesus' name. I believe that'd be all right every once in a while. As long as it's in Jesus' name. The reason that we have... John said in chapter number 20, he said there's a lot of things that we could write. Matter of fact, he went on to say if we did, the world could not contain the books. He said the reason that you have these is that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that, that believing you might have life through his name. First John chapter one, verse number four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. First John one, four. First John five, thirteen. These things have I written unto you that ye believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The reason that we study is to have assurance of salvation. Next, we see the, the reason that we study is to advance spiritually. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I believe we are commanded to grow. It's not an option. We're commanded to grow. I'm studying this and I came across 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2. You can turn to it if you want to. You can listen to me. But there, there is a comma after the third word. But every time I've read it, every time I've heard it, every time I've quoted it, that comma is mysteriously taken out. I'll tell you the way that I've always heard it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. But there's a comma after the word babes. He says this. As newborn babes, so you put in, put, put yourself in the mind of that newborn babe. As newborn babes, we need to desire the sincere milk of the word, that we may grow thereby. That little baby, I don't know, I do not know how God designed it. I wish, I, a thousand times I wish I understood. When that little baby comes out of that womb, it ain't long before it's looking for something. It's looking for nourishment. The baby's hungry. The baby's ready to latch on. The baby's ready to suck. The baby's ready to drink, to eat. You let that baby go a little while without eating. What's it going to do? 
wide open. When's the last time that we as believers cried because we couldn't get in the Word of God? Think about that. I think about, Brother Kurt, you and I have had the the great opportunity. Brother Mark Wheeler has taught us about the authorized King James Bible. And in that, he's doing some history. And he talked about all of those men that quite literally gave their life for translating the Word of God so that we eventually could have this King James Bible. In that, you can look back to John Huss and you can look back to William Tyndale and all of these different men and you could find that they were hungry for the Word of God. But do you realize that during that time, the Word of God was being burned? It was being destroyed? And the reason that these men had such a burden to translate God's Word was so that the common man could have something to read from God. Because they were hungering, they were thirsting after the things of God. So, it is to advance spiritually. Also, it's to acquire blessings and encouragement. Romans chapter number 15, verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I've heard folks say just just ridiculous statements that, well, since we don't live under the law, we don't even need to read the Old Testament anymore. Paul said in Galatians that that law was our schoolmaster. That law taught us what is right and what is wrong. That law taught us how to worship God. That law taught us so many how to live by faith. So yeah, it's God's Word. Keep it in there. Don't get rid of it. He said these things that were written aforetime, they were written for our learning. First Thessalonians 4.18. We all know this. Talking about that second coming of the Lord. Right at the end of it, he says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. The Word of God and studying the Word of God will allow us to acquire blessing and encouragement. Then to attain direction. Psalm chapter 119 verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I've heard it said that that, that lamp is, is right here. I've got an oil lamp in my office right there. And I've shut the door and I've turned the lights and it lights up the room. But there's still plenty of shadows. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Imagine holding a lamp and, and you could see just kind of in a circle around you. He says it's also a light unto my path. It lights the path that I'm... It, it, it shows me the, the turns. It, it, it shows me the obstacles in the way. That's what God's Word will do. But can I tell you this, Hunter? You'll never know those obstacles are there unless you're in the Word of God. We can wait for the sun to go down, turn off all the lights, and start walking through the woods. I guarantee you, some of us are going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to get tangled up in something. It's because we don't have the light. There's a lot of people saved and lost alike. They're stumbling through this world because they don't 
have the light of God's Word. To attain direction. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know where the, you know where the Spirit will lead you? You get down and you start praying, God, Lord, I've got this burden. I've got this decision I've got to make. Will you show me the way? And yes, the Spirit can show you within your soul, but He's going to point you to the Word of God. If you weren't here for Sunday school this morning, man, have mercy. I can't tell you, Brother David, I cannot tell you how many times I read through chapter 12, verse 1 through 5, and was just looking at the grinder, and I'm like, this is an old boy. He's grinding grist. He, He's grinding corn. I looked at this. But as you begin to go down through them, like it all makes sense. All makes sense. I'm thankful for when God turns that light on and shows us some things. Then we see, if if you're keeping track, this is point E, to avert attacks. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11 and 17 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of, of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He tells us to stand, but he gives, he gives us that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's our only weapon. And I have to say it, just, just I, I said something earlier, a lot of us, we're going through life and we're in this battle, but we're not picking up the sword. It's bad enough that we're not putting on the whole armor of God, but we're not even picking up the one weapon that we have. We need to study the Word of God. First John chapter number 2, verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Studying the word of God, preparing our hearts, it will help us to avert attacks. I'm not going to read, but you look over in Matthew chapter number 4, there's that temptation of Christ. After every temptation, Satan was destroyed by the Son of God, by His own words, by the Word of God. We see next is the advice or to advise others. Why are we studying to advise others? I'm just going to give you two. We are to advise our children. I was thinking this afternoon... Ashland, 17, you're about 17 and a half. And that scares me. I don't know what that does for you. Some of you parents have already been there. But that scares me because I'm already thinking, Have in the 17 and a half years, have I taught her what she needs to know? What have I, what have I missed? What can I teach her? As far as I'm concerned, as long as she's in my house, she's, she's mine. Okay? 
So, Ashlyn, remember that. You, you, some of you, some of y'all are turning, uh, I guess you are 18, aren't you? 18, 19, 17. So, getting on up there, getting up there, getting up there. My man's sitting high and tall. He's got in, in the driver's seat, Mr. Denise's vehicle. He's, I'm a man now. He's never said that, but it's just my imagination. But can I tell you something? You might hit 18 on that number scale. I'm not being funny. And I'm not trying to be mean. But that does not mean that you're grown. And that, that, that does not mean that you know everything. If that's the case, I knew everything when I was 12 years old. I wanted to quit school then. I know everything I need to know. I was wrong. Still wrong. 44 years old, I think. And there's still so much that I don't know. So young folks, know this. You may be 18, you may be more, you may be less. But that number doesn't mean that it's time to cut off mom and daddy. That number doesn't mean that it's time to stop doing what they've instructed you to do. That doesn't mean that you you can take everything that they've taught you and throw it in a bag somewhere in the back of the closet. No, you need to hold on to it. Hold on to it tight. Mamas and daddies, can I tell you, yes, you've done a good job. You've got them to 18. You've got them to 18. They are technically an adult. Don't let go of them. Keep them at home until... I'll just go ahead and tell you. Keep them at home until they get married. Keep them at home. Yeah, they may go off to college. But otherwise, keep them at home until they get married. You, as a parent, have so much to learn. But you, as a parent, have so much to teach. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Verse number 6 and 7. And these, we got two minutes. I don't know about this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. Think, think about God's word. Talk about God's word. Let it be the subject of conversation in the home. Not only advice to our children but we ought to advise our church. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It does my soul good to hear Nathan get up by himself, play and sing tonight. He doesn't do that a whole lot. He'll play for somebody else or Rachel will play or this, that, and the other. But it did my heart good. I couldn't imagine what it would do for y'all. But it did my heart good because what he was doing is he was, he was singing some spiritual songs tonight. This is not all. There's, there's a, a better a better place, a better land, a better day. Yeah, you got trouble over here. But he's saying that's not all. There's something better coming. We need to encourage our church with the Word of God, 
with teaching, admonishing one another. How? In psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. Then we're almost done. Why are we studying? To answer the unbeliever. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I'm just going to kind of rephrase this. Remember where God brought you from. Remember where God has brought you to. And when you're asked about the hope, be ready to tell it. When you're asked about what God has done, be ready to tell where and what God has brought you from. We also see next, why are we studying? To analyze the teachings of others. In Acts chapter number 17, there was a group that called themselves the Bereans. And they were believers, but they had kind of an air of superiority. And in Acts chapter 17, verse number 11, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. But listen to this. They searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. I appreciate the confidence that you have in me as your pastor. You can have a whole lot more confidence in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Some folks, they depend on their pastor for everything. They never open the Word of God. They never pray. They never study. They never think about the things of God. They never think about church until they roll into the parking lot. But we need to be in the Word of God. We need to study not only all of these others, but to analyze the teachings of others. I told you about Brother Langston bringing that subject up. And man, I've been searching. I've been praying about it. Not that I want to prove him wrong or prove him right. It's just, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Brother David, you would understand if, if I use these two words together, angel and baby, you'd probably figure out what I'm talking about. There's, there's, there's a teaching about these things. And it's, every time I turn around, someone asks me, what do you think about angel babies? And that's kind of a name that I've given it myself. There's, there's some things that, that can be proven in the Word of God. There's some things that cannot be proven. But there's a lot of things, not necessarily in the Word of God, but there's a lot of assumptions and a lot of theories that are not eternally uh, important. And folks waste their time on those things and they forget to study about the things that are so evident. And if someone says it, if the right preacher comes and stands behind the pulpit and he's got, he's got the, um, the, the personality, he's got the charisma, he can say that the sky is purple and folks will believe it. But if it's outside of this, you'll never know unless you get into it. Then we find this. Let me give you one more scripture there, 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are gone, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Then lastly, why are we studying to be approved by God? We go back to our text verse. Study to show thyself approved, 
unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a statement that that's made. Usually, it's in in either large meetings or it's amongst preachers, and it's it's the statement: "There'll be no axe grinding," or "We're not here to grind the axe." <clears throat> what that means is, is you're not there to get on your soap soapbox and tell folks how high and mighty you are or how low that they are. Another statement is. Is this, I had a young man ask about this the other day and kind of a new, a new thought to me anyway is this idea of preaching competition. And, uh, in case you wonder, I'm absolutely against folks preaching as a competition. Can somebody say amen? Whether you agree with me or not, just help me. So I had to explain what this was and it's essentially, and, and you see it a lot in Bible colleges where you get seven or eight, ten different men, and they do it just like some kind of a, a a sports bracket. And they team up, and these two preach, and whoever preaches better, who has the most charisma, they go into the next round, and then so on and so forth. Well, I ain't never had no charisma. I don't know where to get it, and I'd lose every single time. But I feel like that is just absolutely contrary to the Word of God. I mean, there's an essence of pride there. There's no humility. And then the powers that be are encouraging that. All the while, they're supposed to be teaching their, their preachers in their colleges to be humble in the pulpit and to have the right spirit. We ought not be pleasing men. He says, study to show thyself approved. Unto God. Brother Kurt, you've been preaching is it two two years now? Year and a half? I can't somewhere around there. I've seen so much growth in Brother Kurt from when he started to now. And it blesses me. It truly blesses me. I've seen him preach more than any of y'all. I've seen him preach at the nursing home, maybe Nathan and the Dewberries. At the nursing home. But I've seen such growth. And Kurt, I try my best to say, brother, that was good. I've said on occasion, that's the best I've ever heard. But most of the time, that's all you're going to get from me. Because I don't want you to think that it's a competition with somebody else. I don't want you to think that, well, he says I did a good job, so everybody else thinks I did a good job. Because it really doesn't matter whether I tell you you did a good job or not. It's all about the Lord. I've told you. Get in the car on the way home. I asked my wife, how was the message? It's good. And so between the driveway and home, I'm in the flesh. I'm upset. Why can't you say it was good? Why can't you reach over and pat me on the back? Why can't, boy, that was good preaching, honey. Hallelujah, baby. Amen. Sugar pie, honey bun. And then God reminds me of this by the time we hit the railroad tracks on Millard Fillmore or whatever that goofy road is over there under. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. 
And I'll be honest with you, I've been, been preaching. This November, I've been preaching for 30 years. I'm nowhere near where I should be. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But I'm not really doing it for men. Doing it for God. And if you're going to study the Word of God, it should not be so you can get up here or get in a classroom or get, you know, around a cup of coffee and with some friends or anything like that and show off how much knowledge you have. That's between you and God. But you get to share it with others. 